pray for our church. We're going to need a new worship leader because Blair's going to shoot Betsy this week. So <laughs> he took the heat off me. Appreciate it, Blair. Um, it's rude to ask the pastor to do cardio before a sermon anyways. So that was uh, it's good we did things the way we did. Anyways, uh, if you're here and you have your copy of God's Word, if you would open it to the book of First Peter, we are going to get to First Peter shortly. But I don't know how to open up a message other than you opening God's Word. And so let me tell you kind of what the plan is for this morning. As you can tell, it's been a slightly different service than normal. Uh, we just came off of a week of Vacation Bible School. Great week in the life of our church. A lot of great help from you all. And a lot of, uh, just a, a ton of great things going on. We also, the week before Vacation Bible School, we took four students from our church to a mission trip. Uh, a mission trip called Deep Impact. And Deep Impact is a kind of a pre-packaged mission trip. Uh, North Carolina Baptist Men, Baptist Mission, whatever we're calling it now, uh, puts about 14 of these on throughout the year. They're all over the summer. And so they're spread out all across uh, North Carolina. And if you remember, um, each year I told you that I speak at one of them, so I take our students to the one that I'm speaking at. And what happens is that you, you come to the mission trip, and everything is, like I say, it's prepackaged. They have all of our mission assignments. And so the kids wake up early in the morning. They do their devotions. We eat breakfast together. Then they get sent out to mission sites. And from about 8.30 to 3 o'clock each day, the kids are at some sort of mission site doing something. They can choose between five different things. They can do uh, construction. They can work with senior adults. They can work with children. Uh, there's two or three more things that they have the option to do. They offer sports clinics as well. And so a lot of... A lot of great ministry opportunities that the kids can do. And then uh, at 3 o'clock, we all meet back at the mission center or the church, wherever the, the camp is held. And they have a little bit of free time. And then starting at 5, we eat dinner together. Then we go into a service, which usually lasts about an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, great worship team that leads music, leads all uh, music geared towards their generation and it seems to be a very very worshipful experience for the students and they get to do all sorts of neat missions projects that they wouldn't normally do and all of this is within our state and so that keeps the cost of these very low and so kudos to the baptist men for putting on a phenomenal trip and so what i want to do is i want to open us in prayer and then Ron is going to show the, we have a, a short slideshow of the youth mission trip. And then I'm going to get the students uh, that were involved and my wife, if she's interested, to come on forward. And they're going to share a brief testimony each of what God did on the trip. And then I'm going to uh, finish us off in the book of First Peter and the book of Romans uh, with a word from the Lord to close us out. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the great things that you're doing amongst our church. Father, we thank you for... Uh, the mission trip we were able to go on with our students. And Father, we thank you for the vacation Bible school that we were able to pull off for our community. Lord, I pray that you would continue to do great things amongst us and through us. And Lord, I pray that we would never see our work as done, but that we would always be about spreading your gospel to anyone who will listen. And so, Father, I pray for this service that you would feed your people. And Lord, I pray that you would use me to do it and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to let Ian start everything. And don't worry, if you couldn't see some of those pictures, it's not your eyes. They were a little dark. For some reason, they look great on the computer, and then the overhead, they get dark. But, Ian, if you'll start us out. All right. Well, I'll just talk to you guys a little bit about what I did there and t talk to you about the group that I signed up and participated in, <clears throat> the group I participated in. But um, I participated in the construction group, and we basically did 
work you would typically see the Baptist men do. So um, the first two days we were there, um, we painted a shelter for women and children, basically a safe haven for uh, any reason they feel like they needed to go to. Um, I don't know if you can see the pictures, but that was the building we were painting yellow. Um, we That took about two days to do, to do some detail work, and then to scrape paint off where paint shouldn't have been. But um, that took about two days. <laughs> um, and then the Thursday, it was it, that took it was Tuesday and Wednesday we did that. And then the Thursday after that, we did mostly yard work for um, people who couldn't do it themselves. Um, so basically me and Bobby and then three other students broke off from the rest of the group um, to do a house for a Vietnam veteran. And I think it was either his wife or his mother that had cancer. So um, they he didn't have the time to, uh, to power wash his house, which needed it. Um, Bobby and a student did that. And then me and three other students uh, picked up trash and sticks in the yard because he didn't have the, the time to do that. But um, that was the first thing we did. And then we went to a house that needed to uh, have a little bit of weed eating done around it. Um, and that was on Thursday. And then on Friday, we built a handicap ramp for a man who was uh, wheelchair bound. Um, and that was pretty much the whole week for the construction team. Um, to reflect back on that trip, I feel like I have grown in my faith, and I have, feel like I've grown closer to God as a, as a result of going to that trip. And um, to be honest, I feel like I've seen more lives changed and saved during that week than I have in my entire life. It was truly a sight to behold. And I would strongly recommend if you have children or grandchildren, uh, cousins, friends, anyone you want to possibly send a deep impact, I highly recommend that you urge them to go next year. And I think you uh, you said we were going next year, right? During the summer. Yeah. We don't know where. We don't know where because it's in multiple different places during the summer, but uh, we are going to have it next year. So um, that's all I have to say. It's Burke's turn. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, I mean, uh, Ian said a lot of things about it that I, I wanted to say, but... Um, so, you know, kind of lost in words. Uh, I was a part of the kids group, uh, me and Lindsay and her friend Alyssa, and we had three other kids, uh, Kyle, Derek, and Dalton. Do I just need Okay. Yeah. Um, and Miss Jessie, we, uh, we handed out popcorn, cotton candy, uh, ICs to uh, any kids in the community or any kids that wanted to come. I think we helped with a VBS, maybe two VBSs. Is that right? Um it was uh, one day that a lady came up with her two kids, maybe one. I had no idea if it was if she had two kids or not. But um, so uh, Miss Jessie and um, other leader Mr. Bill, uh, they talked to her, and she had never heard about Christ, or she had, but she never really uh, thought about learning. And they taught uh, taught her about it, and I think she may be learning more about it. And yeah. Okay, I would just want want to thank everybody for giving me the opportunity to go. It was really fun. Um, I like that I got to see a whole bunch of children get saved and learn more about Christ. Um, I learned that not everybody comes from a loving family that has support from their church to go do things like this. Um, like Ian said, it has helped me spiritually and um, yeah. 
I'm way too short for that. Uh, Lindsay didn't tell you all the selfies she put on my phone that she said she was going to tell you about. Uh, or the, the times that she was a little bit fearful. Um, we did go into some neighborhoods that didn't look like our neighborhoods and, um, she came back with her appreciation for Windsor is what she told me. Um, but there were times where we were witnessing to people that didn't look like us, that didn't talk like us, didn't act like us. And so I had a great team. We got to share the gospel to these kids. Every day the Lord blessed us with about 20 kids at least. At least they got bombarded um, playing kickball and jump rope and all this stuff. Um, and working in the gospel through the serving of these kids. Um, we had a great crew. Uh, I don't really have much more to say besides we just had a wonderful time sharing the gospel. And the people that we served, there were, we came across many of people who had never, ever seen a Bible. And can you believe that's in North Carolina? They had never heard of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And so... Um, of course, I've been on many of these trips, but that was just another eye-opener that just in our neighborhoods, there are people that we think in the South all here have heard, at least heard the gospel, but we came across some people that never even knew Jesus in his name. And so um, thank you for the opportunity to go. We had a great time. We had a great time of worship and through um, great teaching. Um, and so I will tell you this, a short story that... Uh, the last day we were there, Lindsay didn't get to be there, but Burke was, there was a 10-year-old little girl who was pushing a stroller with a 10-week baby in it. And she had been taking care of this 10-week baby that wasn't hers for almost three days. And there's a lady that looked over the apartment complex, and this 10-year-old little girl had brought this baby in the middle of the night to this lady and asked her if she could get him quiet because he kept crying in the middle of the night. Broke my heart completely. This 10-year-old is taking care of a 10-week-old because the daddy left because he couldn't handle the crying and the mother thought the daddy was taking care of him. So for three days, this girl was taking care of this 10-week baby. Uh, we did get that under control because I was getting ready to take him home with me. Um, <laughs> but we did get that under control and let this 10-year-old enjoy her day. And that was a ministry to her that she got to see people who love Jesus let her be a kid. And so thank you guys for, for praying for us. Um, even those little things, the gospel went, went a long ways. And so. So I'm not sure if you gathered or not, but the group that, uh, those three were in, uh, they hooked up a trailer to the back of a truck, an enclosed trailer, and in the trailer was a popcorn machine, a snow cone machine, and a uh, cotton candy machine, and a couple of tents. And they essentially drove to an apartment complex and threw a party. And kids would come out of the woodwork, and they would give out free snow cones, free popcorn, free uh, cotton candy. And then they'd play kickball with all the kids that came, and they would just have a ton of fun with these kids. And then in doing so gave them opportunities to share the gospel with all of these different people who had never heard about Christ before. And it was through something as simple as going and having fun amongst these people. And so uh, if you're in the book of First Peter, we're going to be in First Peter. We're in chapter 1. We're only going to be there for a second. Then we're going to flip over to Romans chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verse 10. As Peter writes, he says this, as to this as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating, as he predicted, the sufferings of the Christ and the glories to follow. 
It was not revealed to them, but but they were not serving them. Excuse me. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which you now which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So what he's saying is that the prophets long ago were prophesying, and they were making inquiries and searches of God as to when this Christ was going to come about, as to how these sufferings were going to take place, and it was revealed to them that it wasn't for them, but it was for us. That, that Christ wasn't going to come till later and all of their prophecies and everything else are for our benefit also. And then this last little tricky thing at the end, it says things into which angels long to look. And so you have here in first Peter, uh, uh, I said Paul earlier, but Peter is, is writing his letter to the church and he says, listen, you have the gospel. You have all of the things that pertain to salvation. And then he says, all of the things which you have are things which angels long to look into. And so the picture that you get is that all of the things that we have about salvation, about the gospel, about Jesus Christ becoming a man, dwelling among us, living a perfect life, dying on the cross for our sins, God dying a death that you deserved, paying for your sins, and then raising from the dead so that you could have eternal life. Those are things, things pertaining to the gospel and salvation, that if they were in a little basket on your table, that angels would long to go over and look into. That's how great these things that you have in salvation are. So then if you go over to the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 1, you pick up more about this gospel. In Romans chapter 1, we're in verse 16. So why is it that angels long to look into these things of God? And Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so Paul is telling you that everything, the, the excuse me, that he's not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so the gospel is the power of God. And there's only two times in scripture that, that the scriptures speak of the power of God. And it's always pertaining to the gospel or it's pertaining to Jesus Christ himself. And so you have the gospel that's the power of God. And you have Jesus Christ himself that the Bible describes as the power of God. And this is the cool thing about the gospel. It has the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so you say, well, why do you take kids into a place where they would never normally go? And why do you throw a party to attract people? And the reason is, is because we believe that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so one of the things we did before we had vacation Bible school, this is not mission trip related, is that many of us, uh, actually, I'll tell you who went. It was Jimmy. It was myself, and it was uh, John, and it was Burke, and it was my son, Simeon. We went over to an apartment complex down the road that uh, the people in the apartment complex don't live like we live. It's a very rough section of town. You say, well, why do you go there? We went there because there's kids there that are growing up in drug-ridden homes. There are children there who are growing up with single parents. There are children there who will not experience the same sort of love and compassion that many of you experienced when you were growing up. And you say, why go there? And we go there because we believe that the, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And we went there to invite their kids to our church for vacation Bible school, hoping that we would one of those little flyers that we handed out would bring a kid to our church. And then 
our church would give him the gospel. And then that being the power of God would absolutely change that kid's life for the rest of his life. And then he would be able to find the love and compassion and all of the things that may not be in his home. He would be able to find all of those things in Christ, just like we have. Because the gospel doesn't care where you came from. The gospel doesn't care what language you speak. And the gospel doesn't care what socio-economical status you have. But the gospel has the power to absolutely change lives to everyone who believes. And so we take that gospel wherever we can to apartment complexes around here. We take it uh, to Shelby, North Carolina, to other places where people maybe don't have the same benefits that we've grown up with because we believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And you may think that, well... Sometimes we just want these people to obey this set of rules and then their lives will get better. Listen, guys, the gospel is not about obeying a set of rules. The gospel, as we've talked about in Matthew, is pointing someone to Christ, them experiencing the unconditional love of Christ that he has to offer, the forgiveness of sins that he has to offer. And then in doing that, they willingly lay down everything that life has to offer to follow Christ. Just like the parable of the the merchant seeking fine pearls, that he, a merchant, was seeking fine pearls. And upon finding a pearl of great value, he sold everything he had and he bought that pearl. And that's what we do with Christ. We go to these places and we raise Christ high, showing people how great he is, not trying to get people to obey a set of rules, but we want them to fall in love with Christ and they willingly walk away from everything else in order to pursue Christ. And this whole thing is out of love. And so I want to to talk to you briefly about this power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There's a couple things that you need for salvation. It's the gospel that gives you the ability to have faith. It's the gospel that gives you the ability to repent. And if you've been keeping up with Matthew, faith and repentance are good, but you need perseverance also because only those who persevere to the end are truly saved. And so the gospel is the power of God for you to believe. The gospel is the power of God for you to repent. And the gospel is the power of God for you to persevere as well. And so everything that we do as a church has got to be centered around this gospel. And hopefully you've seen that this gospel through these teenagers' lives, they have seen changes in people. And listen, I didn't pay any of them to say any of these things, right? We don't have a line item in the budget for them to say nice things about the youth program. And here you go. The gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek. And so as we're out on this mission trip, we have uh, Burke talking to people that he would never, ever normally talk to. And you say, well, what good is Burke going to do talking to those people? What good am I going to do talking to those people? If Burke takes the gospel to somebody, it's not Burke doing any work, but it's the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. And so it doesn't matter how small someone is. You look at, you put Lindsay and Burke together and you go, well, what are they going to do in an environment like that? They're They're the two smallest folks we have. It's not about their might and it's not about their power. It's about the gospel that they're taking. Listen, all kinds of cool things happened with these kids. I got to be the speaker and so I got to lead us uh, in sermons. I preached five different sermons to the kids and the kids are, are giving things to the Lord. The kids are repenting of sin and the kids are, 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 some of them I believe are getting saved. And you go, well, you're a preacher. That's what you do. No, I just simply talk. 
If anything beneficial comes out of the, the ministry that I have, it's because of the gospel. And it's because of the power of God working in people's lives. Because I contain no power in and of myself. The only thing that I can do is open this word up to you and explain it to you. And anything that God does in your heart is because of the power of God based on the gospel. That's where all of the power comes from. And so you take Burke and Lindsay and you put them in a place and they get to share the gospel with all different sorts of people that they'd never talk to anywhere else. Banking on God doing something big with them. Jesse told you about a 10-year-old that's taking care of a 10-week-old. They live in a three-story or two-story apartment. So do you know what it looks like for a 10-year-old to take care of a 10-week-old? I don't. But this is what the kid does. The kid wants to, the 10-year-old, sees the party going on and wants to come. And so the 10-year-old's incapable of carrying the child all day. So the 10-year-old gets the baby and puts the baby in the stroller, walks the baby to the stairs, takes the baby out of the stroller, walks down the stairs with the baby, puts him in a carrier, walks back upstairs, gets the stroller, comes downstairs, puts the baby in the stroller. And this is a 10-year-old taking care of a 10-week-old. And you say, well, I've never seen the power of God work in anybody's life. You go to an apartment complex and you hold a 10-week-old baby so that its 10-year-old older brother or older sister can go be a kid and you will see the power of God at work. Can you imagine being 10 years old and having to take care of a 10-week-old for three days? I'm 32 years old, and I can't imagine taking care of a 10-week-old by myself for three days. Right? Now, then you have um, you have a guy from Chapel Hill, right? Uh, you say, well, what can God do with somebody from Chapel Hill or somebody that went to Chapel Hill? It's, it's because of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who will believe. And I say that stuff because it makes you laugh. But there's a, there's a UNC college freshman that's on this trip with us. And he's uh, going with his youth group as a leader. And so he's struggled through one year at UNC because of all of the ungodliness around him. And he's struggling in his faith some. And so he's talking to me some throughout the week about how he can stay strong in his faith when he has atheist roommates and all sorts of other things going on around him. Right? And so he's, he's struggling walking with the Lord. And so he stands up on the last night when we're talking about different things that happen. And so they say, well, we, we asked the students, what has God done in your life since you've been here? And he stands up and he's about to cry. And you go, man, what's this? What's this UNC Chapel Hill? This is a cool guy. This is a, this is a sharp looking young man. Got the world at his fingertips. And the guy's almost in tears. He says, I, I volunteered to help wherever I was needed and I helped with the senior adult team. And so they go into a nursing home. And he hits it off with this old lady who's in the nursing home. And the old lady is, is stuck in a wheelchair and she can't go anywhere. So as he's talking with this woman, he finds that she would like to get outside. And so he takes the back of her wheelchair and he pushes her around the nursing home facility. And so after maybe one lap of pushing him or pushing her around the nursing home facility, she kind of looks back and it sounded to me from his testimony that she was not able to sing. And so she turns around and says, can you sing? And he's like, sure. And she says, will you sing me a song? And so he's stage fright, doesn't know what to do. He's a college freshman, and she probably doesn't want to hear Taylor Swift songs. And so he starts to sing, Jesus loves me. And so he's walking around the nursing home, pushing this woman in and out around all the corridors. And he's singing, Jesus loves me. And she turns around to him. And she says, I can't wait 
to get to heaven and sing with you. And so you got a college freshman pushing a, a senior adult woman who's strapped to a wheelchair. And he's singing Jesus Loves Me all day to her, pushing her around the nursing home. And he's blessing her, and she turns around and blesses him more than you could ever imagine. And now this boy goes home having seen the power of God at work in his life by serving someone. And now, for the rest of her life, she's looking forward to getting to heaven with a UNC freshman to sing, Jesus loves me. And you go, well, that's not really big. You try it and see if it won't bring you to tears. I had the hardest time not crying amongst all of these kids when they're sharing their testimonies. And so, uh, the very, the, uh, on Wednesday, Wednesday night, I'm preaching through, and I was actually in the same passage as I was last Sunday, Matthew 16, Matthew 17. And the passage is when, when Jesus says, whoever wishes to be one of my disciples must deny himself, pick up his Christ and follow, pick up his cross and follow me. And so that's the key passage of the whole week. And so I'm preaching on that passage. And we're talking about if you will not pick up certain death and follow Christ, you are not worthy of following Christ. If, if you won't put Christ in the center of your life, he doesn't play second fiddle to anybody or anything. And so what we do is I finish preaching and the, the worship team comes up and they're playing. And there's a poster board sitting on the ground and there's sticky notes on the post close to the poster board. And so the kids write down stuff. That, that God wants from their life. And they stick it to the poster board. And then the staff takes those sticky notes and they pray for these kids that are giving up things in order to follow Christ. Because each of us have things in our life that Christ wants from us in order that we can follow him better. And so uh, I close out Friday night and I say, hey guys, you guys have had a chance to ask me a lot of questions. I want to ask you questions. And so I said, I don't want to know what you did on your mission projects. I want to know what God did inside of you. I want to know what sort of decisions you made. And so nobody says anything. You ever hang out with a, you ever have your teenage grandson or granddaughter over, drop them off at the movies, pick them up, say, hey, how was the movie? Oh, good. Good. Right? You get that a lot. How was school today? Huh. All right. How was this? How was that? Hmm. Good. You get a lot of one word answers. You get used to that. So I ask these students, what's God doing in your life? What is God doing in your life? And none of them say anything. So I wait. I wait. And this girl says, well, I guess God wants me to share what's going on with me. And she stands up and she says, it's going to take a while. And I said, don't worry, sweetheart, we got a while. And so she begins to tell us this story. She begins to tell us how when she was born, uh, she was given up into adoption. And so she doesn't have any idea who her real parents are. And she said for her whole life, ever since she knew that she was adopted, it's been a struggle for her because she couldn't imagine what parents didn't want a child. Now, those aren't my words. Those are her words. This is, the, this is the battle that she wrestled with inside of her. And so she was probably 15 years old now. And so her whole life, she's been wondering why her parents didn't want her. And so she's had a lot of hate in her life. She's had a lot of animosity. She's had a lot of stress. And she's battled with all sorts of things. And she begins to tell us all of these things. How her parents that she's living with now, her adopted parents, who are just like mom and dad to her, she talked about the hatred that she had for them. And she said it wasn't really based on anything, but it was just, I was miserable inside because of my situation. And so she talked about 
the hatred that's building up in her. How she talked about how she built, dealt with depression. She was always walking around depressed because of her uh, adoption scenario. And then she began to talk about how much recently she's been dealing with thoughts of suicide. And she's also talked, she also talked to us as a group about how she was planning on committing suicide. And this young girl stands up Friday night and she says, I want you guys to know that when I went down front and I gave something to God, I gave up all of my hate for my foster parents. And I gave up all of my thoughts of suicide. And I gave up all of that. And she said, I feel like I'm free now. This is a young girl who found out that the power of the gospel has the ability to free you from anything that you've got going on in your life. Listen, I cannot relate to everyone in this room. We have people from four years old to probably 94 years old. And I haven't lived as long as you, and I haven't lived through the very same things that you've lived through. But we serve a God who's walked through everything, and he knows the ins and outs of everything you're going through. And there's nothing that God cannot save you from or get you through because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who will believe. And so if you're here and you've got anything going on that you feel like you need to walk away from, do it because we have a God who's absolutely crazy about you, and he sent his son to die for you. And then He rose from the dead so that you could be with him forever. And if you get over to the book of Revelation, you find that one of the things that the overcomers get, one of the things that people who get saved and overcome through life, they get Jesus Christ. You see that Jesus gives us the bright and morning star. That's in Revelation chapter 2 or 3. And then you get to the end of the book of Revelation and you find out that Jesus himself is the bright morning star. Guys, Jesus wants you to be saved. And he wants you to walk with him. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to have an intimate relationship with him. He wants to walk with you like friends walk through life together. And he doesn't want to scold you all the time. He wants you to obey him because of the great love he has for you. And that love has the absolute power to break down barriers and to break down anything else. You got somebody in your family that you want to get saved? You show them the love of Christ unconditionally, and it will absolutely move mountains. People don't know what to do with a God who will love them through everything and despite everything. And we have him. And it's our job as a church to make his name great around the world. And so we don't just want to go to that apartment complex. We don't just want to go to Shelby, North Carolina. We want to take Jesus, the greatest treasure on earth, the, great, the most powerful treasure on earth, and we want to make him famous around the world. And I don't know what that looks like for a small church in Windsor, North Carolina that I'm the pastor of. I don't know what that looks like. But whatever it is, we want to follow God and we want to take his son's name wherever he leads us. Because it doesn't matter if you live in a hut in India and it doesn't matter if you live in the Taj Mahal in India. That same gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so there's nothing that stands in our way. Money's not an obstacle. Not knowing the language isn't isn't an obstacle, but the gospel has the power to overcome all of those things. And so I hope that you will join me in prayer that we as a church can walk in unity, that we can love each other the way that we should be loving each other, and then we can take that love of Christ to the world around us. And in closing, like I promise you I'm almost done.
I want you to know that I've done uh, several of these deep impacts, and now I've actually been able to uh, preach a couple of revivals also. I'm going to tell you something as a young pastor that I've observed. I've never seen God move in a situation where whenever the invitation happened, people sat stagnant. Okay? Every time I've ever seen a move of God, and there's been probably three or four really good moves of God that I've been able to see in my few years, it's always been because people start out coming to the altar and giving things to God. I've never seen God move when everyone stays in their seat. And so this is not, this is not a, hey, everybody, come to the altar because it's going to pad my ego. This is a move of God's begin when people get serious in their walks with Christ and they come to the altar and they let things in their life die for the benefit of following Christ closer. And so what I'm going to do as your pastor is during the invitation, I might not be available always because I'm going to be at the altar crucifying my own flesh the same time I call you to come to the altar and crucify things in your life. And as we get on our knees and as we pray for our lost friends and family, as we repent of things in our life, then I'm telling you that God will be freed up to move amongst us. And this is not fake. This is just by means of observation. Because something happens when you step out of your seat and somebody sees you wrestling with God. And if I preach a sermon based on tithing, just because you come to the altar doesn't mean that you don't tithe. Okay? Each of us are at different stages in our life. And if I preach a sermon on tithing and you come down front, it may be because you've been giving 10% your whole life and you've been rocking the house tithing. And it may be that God actually wants 20% from you. It may be that you've never given one red cent to God and you're going to start giving 2%. And both of those things are great. But sometimes decisions stick better. And the Holy Spirit is freed up to move when we move first. And so what I want to do is I want to close this in prayer. And if you don't have anything that God's laying on your heart that he wants from you, I would like you to pray for our youth ministry. I want you to pray for our students who went on this trip. I want you to pray for our kids who came to Vacation Bible School. But I want to free you up and give you the opportunity to feel comfortable coming to the altar and praying about anything that God lays on your heart. And then next week, we're going to do the same thing. And then next week, we're going to do it again. And I hope that we can create an atmosphere where people feel comfortable coming forward. If you come forward, you don't have to talk to me at all. You could come to the altar a hundred times, and you don't have to tell me one thing. I can't read your mind, and nobody else can. And so don't let what people think keep you from doing what God's calling you to do. Sound good? And so as we're, what song are we closing? We're going to close with a hymn instead of a Vacation Bible School song. I can only read her mind. I can't read Elle's mind. And so uh, that's the plan. And so let me close us in prayer. Then we're going to have a song of invitation. And we'll play until everyone has their fair time to speak with God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who will believe. God, I pray that if there's anyone here who has never surrendered to the love that you have for them, if there's anyone here who has never put their faith in you to forgive them of their sins. I pray that today would be the day they do it. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who's not saved, that they would feel the overwhelming love that you have for them in sending your own son to die for their sins. God, if there's anyone here who's been slack in their walk with you, I pray that today would be the day that 
through the power of the gospel, they begin to get their life in the direction that you want it to take. Lord, if there's anyone here who life is going well, but they just want to walk in a more intimate relationship with you, I pray that you would meet with them. Lord, I pray that today would be a day that we don't just know that the gospel is sweet, but that we actually taste it and see for ourselves that it's sweet and irresistible. God, give us a heart for the nations and give us a heart for our neighbor. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, now we're going to ask if all of our kids would come forward. We're going to let our kids lead us in our song. And then after the kids come and lead us in our song, um, when the song is over, Dr. Tarkington, would you close us in prayer?